first of all, Jason, good job, son. <laughs> we barely miss Mike. <laughs> Coming up Teresa Drive, you may have noticed this morning, someone removed our crosses that we have sitting out there. Some vandal, it was me. They were old, they were rotting. We, we will have new crosses up soon, but uh, do not fear. <laughs> they, they, they were just getting, well, you saw the one cross beam. It was dilapidated. But anyway, we will have new crosses soon. Uh, this morning we're in 1 Samuel, chapter 12. Uh, in the first 12 verses, Samuel is giving his farewell address. As Saul is being coronated, being hailed as the new king of Israel, Israel now will become a monarchy. And Samuel, he's old, and he delivers his farewell address to all of Israel. And this farewell address is recorded in the first 12 verses, as I said. But Samuel, he asks openly, have I not been faithful to you, Israel, from my youth? Now, Samuel, it, you know the story of Samuel. He was called, uh, his mother, Hannah, offered him at an early, early age to work at the tabernacle. And uh, from his early youth, he, well, when his mother weaned him, she then presented him to Eli, and he became a... Uh, a worker in the synagogue there. Now, I just weaned three calves the first three or four days. You can ask Chris. It's, it's, it's rather traumatic. They will beller all night long for their mama. But once you get past the three days, things calm down. And I just released them back together. And the first thing I'm looking for, I better not see any nursing going on. <laughs> and uh, now we're one happy group of cows again. But Samuel, from the time he was a wee lad, he was given over to the Lord and he served the Lord. And now he asks Israel, have I not been faithful? From my youth I have served you people. And he says, no one can accuse me of any self-promoting. No one can accuse me of becoming rich at the expense of the people. And God has been faithful to you, Israel, during my lifetime. But yet you still pleaded for a king. So let's pick up in chapter uh, 12, verse 12, and we'll read there. And when you saw that Naash, the king of the Ammonites, came against you, and you said to me, No, but a king shall rule over us, when the Lord your God was your king. Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen, whom you have desired, and take note, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey the voice, and do not rebel against the commandments of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you, will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandments of, of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. 
Now therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is today not the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord, and he will send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord, in asking a king for yourselves. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die, for we have added to our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. Then Samuel said to the people, Do not fear, you have done all this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, and serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside uh, to to then you would go after empty things, that you would go after empty things, which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great namesake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord, serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Samuel is chastising the nation of Israel for their desire for a king like the other nations that surround them. Samuel concedes, the Lord heard your cry. He heard you when you uh, desired for a king. He has heard you. But Samuel, uh, he's going to now tell him this is what it'll be. Samuel was told by God, and this, I don't know if it comforted Samuel, but he said, Samuel, they haven't rejected you. They have rejected me. And I'm sure that was a difficult thing for Samuel to hear. Hear now the compassion of God to Israel, his chosen people. And we see that in verse 14. You still will be my people. And your, and your king will be a king that I have anointed. If you fear me, respect me as God. If you obey my commandments and continue to follow the Lord your God, this is a great thing, a great concession by God to them. I will still watch over you and take care of you. God in his loving compassion for his people, he doesn't cast Israel aside when they ask for a king. He doesn't declare, uh, this is the last straw, Israel. I've had it with you. Now I'm done with you. No. God sets forth how Israel can continue in fellowship with him, even though they desire a king. One of the greatest attributes of God that I seem to appreciate is his long-suffering and his patience 
with Israel and his long-suffering and his patience with you and me. My early years as a Christian were filled with open disobedience. I knew the Lord as Savior, but I sure hadn't made him Lord yet. And my life was, you know, it was just one act of disobedience followed by another. And I still regret some of those rebellious attitudes and times and decisions. But God, full of mercy and grace, he didn't cast me aside. And he hasn't cast you aside. Even though Israel rejects the Lord as being king, ruler over them, they still want that king. And God says, obey me. You and your king, and I will still be your Lord. How often do we deserve judgment for our disobedience, but God shows mercy and grace? I'm quick to receive grace and mercy for me. I'm just kind of stingy giving it to you. <laughs> and we're that way. We... We get legalistic sometimes when we see God giving mercy and grace to someone we don't think deserves it. I'm so glad God is full of mercy and grace. He even blesses our decisions that are contrary to his perfect will for our lives. God doesn't throw us out. He doesn't cast us aside when we make bad decisions. I had a, a pastor friend who <clears throat> felt like he had made a mistake in making a young man his assistant pastor. And he says, I think I blew it. And I said, well, hey, don't you think God's a little bigger than your mistakes? He's bigger than mine. <laughs> and he's bigger than yours. God is bigger than our mistakes. He's full of mercy and grace. But I'm way too old now to be sowing and reaping self-centered desires and self-centered thinking, I hope. <laughs> I don't want to continue to make mistakes that I regret. But I want you to consider verse 15. However, there's a conclusion there, a warning from God and he said, my hand being against you, by Samuel. Samuel has declared the good and righteous behavior that he has been as the prophet of Israel. But then he throws out a warning. He wouldn't be a prophet if he didn't warn the people. And he says, however, listen up. Old King James, verily, verily, <laughs> if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you in the same way as it was against your fathers. A fair warning by Samuel. Then Samuel, he becomes the meteorologist. He becomes the weatherman. He says, today is wheat harvest. And I will call to God and he will send thunder. And it doesn't say lightning, but thunder comes with lightning. And rain. 
right in the middle of wheat harvest. That's the last time you want it to thunder and rain is in the middle of wheat harvest. And it's going to be a sign to you, Israel, of your wickedness that is great in the sight of the Lord. And this was one terrible thunderstorm that came upon Israel. But back in chapter 7, we read where God sent a thunderstorm that was so severe that the Philistines were confused by it all, and Israel routed them in battle. Now, that's a strong storm. But Israel's great wickedness is asking for a king. God gave them a king, a king he chose, and that was Saul. And Samuel anointed him as king. Yet Israel, desiring a king, troubles God. And it troubles God greatly. It's like a slap in the face to God. And God goes through the whole thing with Samuel. Haven't I been good to Israel? And no one could make a complaint against Samuel or God. We sometimes think God is above and beyond our attitudes, our way of thinking, our insults, if you will. And God hears. God hears our prayers. God has heard Israel's desire for a king. How often did we hear professing Christians say, well, Jesus Christ, and they don't mean it in a reverent way. It's almost slang. It's almost cursing. And they're not being reverent to God. God hears those. There's a very popular one now that really drives me up a wall. I've been known to shout at the TV. Maybe you've heard it. Oh, my God. Why do you say that? <laughs> Why do you bring God into your situation of dislikes or into a surprise or something like that by saying his name in an irreverent way? I had a good friend years ago, and he professed to be a believer, but he would curse the entire family of Jesus. And he'd start with Mary and Joseph. Mary, Joseph, Jesus' brothers. He'd get them all. <laughs> and I'd say, why do you do that, man? <laughs> and as long as we're considering loose words or slang, I deplore Christianese. You know what Christianese is? You know what Christianese Speaking in a glorified Christian way about things that uh, perhaps you shouldn't speak about. And I hear the term, well, praise God, come out of Christians over all sorts of things. There can be a death in a family, well, praise God. There can be bad things happen, well, praise God. And if you're going to hear me say praise God, it will be an authentic Praise God. I don't throw that term around loosely. 
Got on the soapbox there, didn't I? Back to Samuel. He calls upon the Lord, and the Lord brings thunder and rain during harvest. Again, the absolute worst time for rain. And it's such a severe thunderstorm, the people are in fear of dying. 2011, we had, in April, tornadoes come through our area. About a mile up the road, Lisa Magaha, who attended here, a tornado hit her home. Took the home, set it off its foundation, and the chimney in the home fell on her husband, and her husband was on top of their daughter, and there was a son also trapped there. During this time, there's also tornado warnings going out, and Lisa had to go and take shelter, leave her family there in the rain, her husband being crushed by the chimney as another thunderstorm came through. Thunderstorms and tornadoes can be absolutely frightening. But this thunderstorm in Samuel here, it's had its effect because great fear now comes upon the people and they have a response. Samuel, please pray that we may not die. That's, that's a severe storm. For we have added to our sins the evil of asking for a king over us. Samuel assures the people that God will not forsake them. Good prophet. Good prophet. And he assures them that, uh, that God, for his great namesake, because of who he is... He will forgive you. When I sin, yeah, I know, surprise, I do sin. I ask God to forgive me, but I base my prayer of forgiveness upon the goodness of God. I never ask God to forgive me because I deserve it, because I don't. But it's please, God, forgive me because of who you are, because of what you have done for us, because of your great namesake, forgive me. Verse 22, and notice it pleased God, pleased God to make Israel his people. God wasn't through with them. And it pleases God this is hard to accept sometimes, that you and I are his people. It pleases him that we believe. Paul writes that we are the poem of God. We are his careful work of art. You want to see a beautiful poem? Look around you. God working in our lives is a great work of art going on, a living work of art. As Christians, we sin, and then it's, if we're not careful, we can try to atone for our sins. 
And how do we try to atone for our sin? By being good. We're going to be good for a while. I'm going to read five chapters every day in, for a week or two in the morning in my quiet time. And that will go on two or three days. We become kind. We become compassionate to our mates. We become loving to our kids. And overall, we become pleasant to be around. When the most important thing, the most important thing about our attitude would be to fall on our knees before God and just ask for his mercy and grace. Because we can do nothing to atone for our sins. Don't try to wiggle out of your sins by being good. Or wiggle your way back to God. God is gracious. He is merciful. Samuel, he's kind of done with Israel. Now Samuel turns the spotlight on him being a prophet upon himself. And you got to love Samuel for his honesty here. He's the spiritual leader of Israel. And he declares, as for me. Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Samuel the prophet, he fears sinning against God by not praying for the people. That's called a sin of omission. In James 4.17, James, the half-brother of Jesus, he writes, He who knows to do right and does not do it, to him it is sin. A command of God to Samuel that we should listen to and apply to our lives. Samuel, do not cease, do not stop praying for the people. Who should we be praying for? Well, our children for one. If you're a Sunday school teacher, how about praying for your students? If you're a teacher, be praying for those students. If you're in a position over employees, pray for those employees. If you're over our youth here at church, I urge our youth leaders to be praying for the youth. And as for you people, you come here faithfully on Sunday and you sit through my teaching. If I should cease to pray for you, if I avoid praying for you, I'm sinning, but I'm not sinning against you. I'm sinning against the Lord by not praying for you. I try to take that seriously. I must admit, I'm much more faithful to be a teacher than I am to be a prayer-er, prayer person. I honestly try to lift up everybody in this fellowship by name before the Lord on a regular basis. And that includes your children. I try to know every child that attends here. They need prayer too. And that's not some great honor for me. I think the Lord calls me to do that. 
God, help me to be faithful in doing that. We should be passionate in prayer for those we love. We should be passionate in prayer for those we should love. And they can be different. And again, God help us to be faithful. Prayer is simply standing in the gap for those around us. Quite possibly, you are the only person praying for that fellow employee or for that relative that is away from the Lord. You might be the only person lifting up their name before the living God. And Samuel, he tells all of Israel, he says, now let me tell you the truth about your behavior and let me give you a warning. But Samuel only warns the people when? After he has prayed for them. There's a sequence there. You can warn. You can lift up somebody's name. But be praying for that same person that you're going to warn. Samuel's word is, Fear the Lord, serve Him in truth with all your heart. And he says, Considering the great things God has done for you. And, you know, sometimes we take for granted the goodness of God, and God forgive us for that. We should be grateful. We should be thankful for his blessings. But fearing and respecting God and giving him our complete service is, well, it's sort of expected of us. It should be a response out of our heart for his love towards us. And if that doesn't motivate you to serve God, then Samuel, he kind of drops the hammer on him. But if you still do wickedly, and if you cannot be reasoned with, if you become hard-hearted and you can't continue to act wickedly, hear God's prophetic word to you, Israel. And to any believer who continues to practice sin, both you and your king will eventually be swept away. Saul started out so good, but we know the end results of Saul. Do not, and this is my warning is to myself as well as anybody who hears me, do not mistake God's long-suffering and patience with sin in your life as a license to sin. Do not make that mistake. God is a good God. He says, be holy, for I am holy. And he expects us to be holy. All sin, all sin is first and foremost against God. Notice Samuel says, if I cease to pray for you, who do I sin against? God. And do not be deceived. Sooner or later, judgment comes to all the wicked and sinful. My mom had a saying. She would say, son, payday isn't always on Friday. And what she was saying to us, sooner or later, sinful behavior will be judged in your life. 
Therefore, we're to pray for those we love. And it's to be a continued prayer, not a one-time prayer. But we're to continue to pray for those that we love. And we're to teach and proclaim the character of our loving God to all that will listen. But we're to be truthful about the future that awaits a sinful, wicked person. Be truthful with that person that's caught up in the sin. And do not be so politically correct that you avoid being salt and light. Political correctness can cause us to commit the sin of omission. And it is a sin. So be faithful. God is good. Share the goodness of God to anyone that will listen to you. Amen? Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father, we thank you for faithful prophets like Samuel. Thank you, Lord, that he was faithful to pray for Israel. They could not bring a charge against Samuel, for he was faithful to pray. He was faithful to lead them. And Lord, we want to be faithful in our lives. Lord, I've lived too many years of disobedience and too many years of uh, lukewarmness. I want to be excited and faithful for you and your kingdom, Lord. So help me and help all of us here, your people, to be that man, to be that person, to be that woman that is faithful unto you and serves you with a whole heart. We don't want to be giving you partial service as far as our heart goes. We want to serve you completely, Lord. So help us to do that. We need the help of your spirit to be fruitful in our lives. So help us, Lord, is our prayer. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.